0: Well, it's that time of uh, the week when uh, we have uh, Dr. Andrew Corbett joining us uh, into the studio to have a, a weekly discussion, and uh, here he is. Good morning, Dr. Corbett. Uh, Good morning, Cameron. Great to be with you today. What an interesting week it's been around yeah, the world yes. with
1: so much happening. Lance Armstrong, who would have thought uh. that the seven-time Tour de France winner mm. would be stripped of his <sighs> titles? What so an sad, amazing set of events. Of course, those in the cycling, do we say industry or we'll say sports sector, had often wondered and queried, and of course he'd been the subject of phenomenal speculation over the years, and I just find this really, really sad, I I just find it tragic, because I so much wanted to believe that it was possible to be a hero like mm. that without taking exactly. shortcuts. And well, considering
0: where he came from with the fact that he you know overcame cancer, I mean, that would have been a remarkable story in itself.
1: Yeah, and now, of course, it turns out yeah. that he got
0: the cancer because he was taking yes.
1: all the um, drugs and... Um, yeah. Uh, what, what are they called? EFOs, whatever they are. Yeah. So uh oh, look, very, very sad. That, mm. that and, of course, we're uh, bearing down... Uh, ...on the US presidential election... Yes. ...which always does have some bearing... ...on the political landscape in Australia... ...and so we uh, take... ...you know, it's quite a different system in America... ...where they vote directly for the leader of the country in Australia... ...we don't so much do that... ...although we just don't do it formally... We, we, ...I think we do it informally it's it's become a the Australian political system has almost become politics of the personality and we're certainly seeing all kinds of personality (laughs) clashes to say the least happening in the Australian Parliament over the last few weeks so the US presidential election is very fascinating how they do the three debates how um, they, they, are, you know, more or less, are voting not on policy distinction as much as on personality. And so, look, uh, mm. uh for those that understand how democracy works, we we uh, are a little bit concerned that that uh, this is this is having a, a huge bearing on Australian politics because I I think that's a bit of a shame that. We come down to how we vote for our leaders based on their looks, based on their charisma, based on what promises they make, rather than on their competence and what is mm. the the best for mm. the nation or the state. That's a bit of a worry. Yes. Cameron, today I want to talk about something that has been provoked by some of these events, actually, because, curiously, many sporting heroes, many political heroes, attribute... Their, their success to their religious convictions, and of course, America is a very religious culture. They have printed on their money in God We Trust. It's yes. very common for somebody to win an Academy Award, and well, uh, you know, I'd yes. like to thank God. I'd like to
0: thank God, yep.
1: And uh, so it's, a, it's quite a religious culture, and I I saw a an intriguing documentary. I think it was on SBS. Might have been on SBS two. It was. It featured Jerry Adams. Now, probably most younger Australians will have never heard of Jerry Adams. Have, Jerry? Yeah, I know, of course. Yes. Okay. So Jerry Adams was the leader of Sinn Fein, which is the political wing of the IRA. Yes. And during the seventies and eighties. They were responsible, arguably Sinn Fein, as the political wing of the IRA was responsible for the terrorist bombings uh, across Northern Ireland and England that resulted in, um, I understand, the loss of thousands of lives over the over the period of time that they were conducting there. Their, what they called Liberation Campaign, their campaign to liberate Northern Ireland from the control of England. Now, uh, the, the interesting thing about Jerry Adams is that he was on a journey, and the documentary was about the journey he was on. And while all this mm. was going on, of course, some people very simplistically thought this was a clash between Catholics and Protestants. Mm. And for most people who were familiar what, with what was really going on they readily understood that this was this had very little to do with what protestants or catholics stood for this this had a whole bunch of cultural undertones but the interesting thing here with jerry adams was that he actually became deeply curious about Christianity and deeply curious about Jesus Christ and the documentary explores his exploration of what it means or what it, you know, what it means to be a Christian and the, the difference that Jesus Christ can play in someone's life. Now, this was really intriguing because he, he was now going from being somebody who was nominally Catholic, someone who went to church but had no real living faith. Mm-hmm. And so the journey shows him even going so far as to visit Jerusalem to explore the historical evidence for jesus christ to explore the historical evidence for the accounts of jesus christ the four gospels and to look at how christ down through the ages has changed lives and how relevant his teaching was for today and the conclusion that he came up with was that essentially jesus christ is god's answer he is the way of salvation and he then admitted that he had fallen way short of living up to the teachings of Jesus. Okay. Wow. So that was really mm. really interesting. And then the journalist who was doing the documentary put it to him, "Don't you don't you now feel some deep remorse that you haven't lived up to the teachings that you've now, you know, you're now saying are the way to live?" And he said, "No, because for me my my newfound religious beliefs in Jesus are a very deeply private and personal matter. Yeah, yeah. My religious convictions are private. They have nothing to do with what I do in public. And I heard that and I thought, here's a guy who is still on a journey. And I don't want to condemn Jerry Adams for that statement, but I do Um, if Jerry's listening I do want to point out a couple of things to him about why that statement is extremely nonsensical but in thinking about that of course you hear you know people like Lance Armstrong who attribute quote-unquote a faith and these people affirm some religious belief and then it comes out you know Jerry Adams of course is known to be linked to terrorists and Lance Armstrong linked to doping and linked to all kinds of questionable behavior that you probably would not associate with being a person who's religious at all so this this tends to cause people to write off people who are religious. you know people who are religious are they're all hypocrites or yeah. whatever yeah and i I sometimes hear these these incredible statements about religion, and I want to go through ten of them. Cameron that are myths they are myths about religion and the first one is this all religions are irrational this is why they all require faith now there's an idea underpinning that myth about religion and the idea is that you need faith to be religious because what you're being asked to believe is unbelievable yes so the idea is that that you can either be a person who is rational, who believes evidence and fact, or you can be a person who's religious Mm. and, quote-unquote, take things on blind faith. But that's a myth because true religion invites people to have faith. Well, some religions do. And that faith is not true. True religion and true faith is not Believing something that is unbelievable, true faith in in true religion is akin to trust mm-hmm. and and Cameron, you you trust people not because you hope they're trustworthy but you trust people because you've got good reason to trust them. Yes trust must be earned. therefore, if we're going to put our faith in a certain set of claims. We don't want to put our faith in a set of claims that have no basis in truth or evidence. So the first myth is that all religions are irrational. This is why they all require faith. That's a myth. True religion is grounded in truth, not in made-up stuff. So coming after the after this next song, how about we come back and we'll continue yep. on with a few more
0: myths about religion. Okay, coming up shortly, uh, a song from Carolyn Lorenz talking about one-syllable words, words that uh, make up a, a yeah a really good life, I reckon. That's just after this message. Yeah, a big ministry. I was reading about Carolyn Orens the other day, and she's a speaker. Uh, she does preaching. Uh, she's a, a motivational speaker and uh, obviously a musician. She's been a musician and songwriter for a while now. Carolyn Orens there with one-syllable words, words like faith, hope, love, peace, peace and truth, which is kind of on the subject we're talking about this morning. They're certainly all good ingredients for a great life. We're talking with Dr. Andrew Corbett today about uh, religion myths and um, the second one, talk to us about it Andrew.
1: Well the, the idea is that religions actually promote things that just are not true and yeah. therefore you need you have to switch your brain off and just accept it with your heart so to speak so that while in the first instance faith is seen as something that's going to allow you to accept something irrational in this instance you're actually being asked to have faith in something that you your head knows to be untrue or false Mm, mm. that's actually a myth true religion is not going to ask you to believe something that is just untrue so for example a true religion would not would not invite you to believe that um uh we we are all um a part of a of of a a, uh, a godlike being who who pulled his head off and from his head he made certain people pulled his wrist off and from his his hand and wrist made a, another class of people and pulled his foot off and made another class of people that that is there's no verification there we can't prove there's nothing that can be proven true about that now, some people say, well, but there there is a religion that asks you to believe that. And I'm saying, don't put all religious claims into that category of being asked to believe totally untrue things. There is another religion that claims that the Bible is only part one and two, and that there's a part three and four. And part three and four tells the story of how, the Hebrews moved to South America built up a huge civilization had all kinds of wars Jesus Christ came and visited them because they missed out on his coming um, the first time and uh, gave them a book and uh, then left and uh, a few hundred years later that book stumbled across into North America when an angel by the name of Moroni handed it to a young guy um, and look the, that the, and so here's the problem here's a religious claim mm, yes. that cannot be verified by the data it, it's actually it's there is no such civilizations that have been found in South America and we, the, it, it's just not aligning with the known facts true religion won't ask you to do that there are there are sometimes claims made in the name of religion that that are not substantiated. And just like any reasonable, rational person, we would say don't accept them. <laughs> mm. if, if someone makes a claim that there's a pink teapot circling Mars and this is pivotal to their religious beliefs... Well, yes. Well, sh- show us. Where, yeah. where, where's the pink teapot? Where's the evidence for the pink teapot? And if there if there is none, then rightfully you, you don't have to put your trust and confidence in that claim. So it so that is a myth, a myth that that religion will uh, ask you to accept things that are patently untrue. And and I think Cameron, there are there are people that 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 is how they regard um, religious claims. They regard religious claims as Basically fanciful. Basically, you know, you're being asked to be to be foolish in what you believe, and 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 that's a myth. Religion doesn't ask you to ignore facts and evidence. That's that's just not the case. Yet, Cameron, you and I've met. We've met people that they kind of look at you're religious, and they look at you like, well, you know, yes. you, you must be an idiot. Yeah, you know, because and they treat us that way, like and that and you well. get treated that way, yep. and that's that's actually very, well apart from being unkind it's it's also unfair here's a big myth uh, just before we go to news, all religions are basically the same you know, I've, I've, I hear this over and over Cameron, we're probably going to have to spill this one over in you know, the news a bit to deal with it adequately but all religions are basically the same, well here's the problem that may be true, except that all religions differ, all religions differ mm. when it comes to their understanding of God mankind's problem Heaven, hell, salvation, the nature of creation, <laughs> and so and we just keep going on mm. and on and on. Mm. Now you could say they're all the same, but they disagree on God. Even just that yes. one, even just that one, yes. Cameron it would make all religions completely different. Or you know, who God is exactly yeah. who God is. Mm. So uh, I've got a, a little example which I think we can squeeze in before the news, and yeah, and, and it just highlights at this. In Judaism, they believe Jesus Christ was crucified there's no dispute there in in Islam Islam says Jesus Christ was not crucified he was not killed in Christianity Christianity says Jesus Christ was crucified and he rose again now if you think about all three of those statements they cannot all be true at the same time no They could all be false, but they can't all be true. Let's come back
0: after the news, Cameron. Okay, let's uh, get to that uh, very soon. But right now it's uh, the latest from UCB News, 9 o'clock. Yes, thanks for tuning in uh, this morning to uh, Launceston's YFM 105.3 and 98.1 with uh, Dr Andrew Corbett this morning, of course, uh, talking to us about uh, religious myths and uh, an interesting little riddle he presented with us uh, before the news this morning, which uh, he will continue on.
1: Oh, well, if, okay, riddle? Yeah, yeah Judea- well, that's, that's okay. to the, okay. yeah, the right. layman yeah. person. that. Gee, trapped, I was, I was, uh, it's
0: very good. I was being puzzled then. <laughs>
1: okay, so, the, so the, yeah, the statement, Judaism says Jesus yes. Christ was crucified. Islam says Jesus Christ was not crucified and therefore did not rise again from the dead. Christianity says Jesus Christ was crucified yes. and did rise again from the dead. So you've got three... Competing statements mm, about mm, supposedly so. about the it's, same thing, and they they could all be wrong, but they can't all be true. And the question has to be asked: which one of those statements best aligns with the data? Which which statement best aligns with the the facts? Now, interesting, we've had a um, someone um, who's a Muslim just uh, contact us on Facebook, and um, he's he's actually written: "Yes, Jesus." was not killed so this is from a, an islamic perspective so this just confirms the islamic perspective jesus was not killed and is not dead we believe that he will return to the earth very soon now that's interesting by itself because that yeah. is what the quran says yeah and on account of their saying this is now now he's quoting the quran we killed the messiah jesus the son of mariam messenger of allah they did not kill him they did not crucify him but it was made to seem so to them those who argue about him are in doubt about it they have no real knowledge of it, just conjecture but they certainly did not kill him, Allah raised him Jesus, up to himself Allah is almighty, all wise that's from the Quran 157, um, 158 so that comes straight from the Quran, so thank you to uh, Sirah who uh, contacted me on Facebook just to confirm that that is indeed what the that the Quran and Mm. Islam uh, holds to, so there you go. You've got, you've got three very, very different accounts, and they're all religious, So and they can't all be true at the same time. Now, mm. of course, that's just, that's just one detail about Christ. You've got details about God. Uh, every religion has a completely different view about God. Yes. Some hold that God is a created being. For example, the Mormon religion, um, holds that that God was once a man, as we are. In fact, that's what the Book of Mormon says, and he has become a god, and we too can become like God. Well, that's a different view of man, mm. and so we we let's not hold to this myth, this fanciful myth, that all religions are basically the same, and that they only differ in some very small details. That is completely not true. They that is a, that is a huge huge myth. All right, so the next one. And this kind of comes back to the Jerry Adams statement. My religion is a private matter and has no bearing on how I live in public. Um, Cameron, your religious convictions are convictions. Mm. And your convictions shape your character choices. So it's just impossible to have a religious conviction, and not have it in some way affect your public decision making and choices, the way you conduct yourself in public. Now I find this utterly intriguing, whenever those who espouse no religion, uh, generally identifying themselves as either atheist, or if they're savvy, they'll identify themselves as agnostic, accuse someone, usually a Christian, uh, perhaps in the Parliament, of being biased because of their religious ideas, as if the atheist is not biased. In other words, we are all shaped by our religious convictions. The idea that there is no God is a religious conviction. The idea that your religious ideas should not shape Our public policy is a religious idea. Mm. So, because it's a religious idea, and the idea is that religious ideas shouldn't shape public policy, that idea shouldn't shape public policy. Mm. (laughs) So, it's just a nonsense to say that my religious ideas are just a private matter. They have no bearing on anything I say or do. In the public arena. That is an utter nonsense because all religious convictions are exactly that. They are a religious conviction. Now, your religious conviction may be that um, God is in the birds, the trees, the flowers, the, the water, and, and so on. Well, the, the reality is you are going to live out that conviction in some way or another. You're probably going to have a very strong religious public persona of environmentalism because you actually think that you you know kind of like in in an avatar sort of way you've got to protect the birds the flowers the forest the the whatever because you think that is essentially god and there is somebody who else might have a different religious idea that is god created those things he's creator and this is created and that god the creator has bestowed the responsibility to mankind to watch over and look after the creation therefore it can be managed and that person's going to approach the issue of how the environment should be stewarded in a quite a different way for different religious reasons so let's not tolerate this this myth that your religious convictions are simply a private matter they have no bearing on anything you say or do in public that that's just a nonsense number 5 religious myth number 5 cameron you can't possibly know that your religion is right that's a myth and i I'll tell you why it's it's a myth firstly let let's let's assume that it's true that you hold to a religious idea a religious conviction, but you you're not sure you don't know if it's right so here's the question I've got. Why would you put your entire faith and trust into an idea that you are not sure if mm. it's true? Correct, yes. Why would you do that? Why? It it just doesn't make sense that you would uh, trust in something that you have no way of verifying. So, the the idea that you you cannot know for sure you you cannot know whether a religious idea is true or false is not true you you can know whether certain religious ideas are true or false if if any religion is is appealing to you to adhere to it believe in it despite the facts, despite the evidence, and you may have a strong suspicion that that what it is telling you is not true, Mm. you you would be most unwise to trust that religion with your life. That would be very, very unwise. So, you cannot know that your religion is right. I I don't think that's true at all. And, in fact, I think that
0: religious claims can be put to the test. <clears throat> well, even if we go to atheism, which mm-hmm. I suppose in in itself is a form of religion because it's a belief, mm-hmm. people are absolutely certain that there is no God. Yes, and
1: the irony there is that often those people who object to religion claim that you cannot be absolutely certain yes. about anything. Yes. And they are absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah exactly
0: that. yeah <laughs> so I thought I'd just put that in yeah
1: so look that that is um, that that is a obviously a, a contradiction there mm. so it's a myth to think well y- you you have a religious conviction but you can't know if that's right true religion is verifiable it's verifiable historically it's verifiable experientially and it's verifiable based on the known facts. So, for example, one religion claims that God, indeed, did create the first man and the first woman, but he created them in heaven. In fact, Islam says that God created Adam and Eve in heaven, uh, which it calls paradise, and then he transported them down to earth. Okay, well, that's quite different to the way that the Judeo-Christian Bible accounts for how Adam and Eve were created. Which one best aligns with the facts were Adam and Eve created of the same material that we find on earth, or do they possess you know so there's ways of testing this claim, another claim that uh when Israel came out of Egypt uh one religion says that God lifted up Mount Sinai, just lifted it up off the ground and hovered it over their heads and threatened to drop it on them unless they started. Uh, to, to stop misbehaving really now th- this just it goes against credulity to, to believe that mm-hmm. and this is not in the bible yeah. by the way but this is what one religious claim holds to another religious claim is that when the angel gave a young American man by the name of Joseph a a copy of uh, the, the, the supposed record of this uh, South American uh, conquest that it was written in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics Um, and that with a, a set of magical spectacles called Urim and Thummim he was able to read it in English and decipher it. Okay well that's easily verifiable. Show us the spectacles and show us the golden tablets and let's put them on and let's see if it converts to English. It's easily verifiable and yet it never has been. So Religious claims that are based on things that cannot be verified should be treated accordingly with a great deal of dubious suspicion. Coming mm-hmm. after the song, let's come back and let's come down the home stretch with a couple more myths that people hold about religion.
0: Out of the grey there with a song called the Walk by Faith, Walk by Faith, Not by Sight. Uh, and uh, not uh, by mind at all. Uh, in layman's terms, it's sort of uh, on what we're talking about, Andrew. In terms of uh, their believing in what you know is impossible—believing the unseen.
1: Yeah, and note the way. I mean, that—that's a great song, isn't it? And yeah, it it's, is. It's taken from Second uh, Corinthians, where it it says, uh, "We walk by faith, not by sight." So it's from the, the Christian New mm. Testament. But in that instance, it's some people might think, "Well, we walk by faith, not by sight." That's calling for blind faith, but it's actually calling for trust, mm. despite what you see. Mm, and exactly. And it's it's you know God is trustworthy. We know that God can be trusted, despite what we see. And it's a it's a beautiful reminder that faith is not blind faith. Faith is grounded. Exactly. In evidence. Okay, let, let's do a couple more. Can we got time yep. for a couple more yep. of uh, religion myths? The, the next one is that all religions are just about the money. So, religion is just a way of <laughs> making money.
0: <laughs> now, I laugh, I laugh
1: because I've been a pastor for <laughs> 20 years, and if I could just figure out how this one worked, I <laughs> my lifestyle might look a little yeah. different. Um, I've got to tell you as, as somebody who has given my life to serve God to serve Christ and to uphold the, the Bible and to promote the teachings of Jesus Christ and to help people find comfort in their hour of need I have found that my life has if this is if this is true, I'd like to know where it is because most of the other pastors that I know most of the other people that have that serve as priests pastors ministers of religion chaplains, and so on they are most definitely not in it for the moment no. in fact there is the, the, for most of my colleagues, and if I can be so bold as to put myself in this category as well. Our life is characterized not by opulence and excess. Mm. Trust me, it's it's characterized by sacrifice. Mm. Now, let's move beyond our own small circle of people that I'm aware of. Let, let's just go through history. People who have had deep religious convictions have, have become nuns and priests and monks, and people have become missionaries. People have selflessly served. In fact, I would think easily... The characteristic of people who are devoutly religious is a life of sacrifice and selfless service yes, of others, not the other of, way around.
0: I can think of one. Definitely. Mother Teresa.
1: Yeah, and there's somebody who... Uh, I was listening to Behind the Music the other day with the the former Paul Coleman trio bass guitarist. Yes, who, Grant Northworthy. Yeah, Grant, who said that... that you He know, quoted Mother Teresa saying, I go to India... Not to, um, not to share God but to meet God mm. and she found that by her self-sacrifice and serving others she herself was encountering God and what a beautiful statement, a beautiful oh, picture yeah. and that is, that is so true and I know that uh, if you came out to our church at Lagana, yep, on a Sunday you would hear us say now's time for the offering and for some people who are highly sensitive to oh there they go again there they go again. They're always on about money, and in fact, it takes about 30 seconds or so of our entire service. Yeah. It's it, it, well, you know, maybe 40 seconds. It, yeah. It's like such a small component mm-hmm. of it, and there's there's none of this. Um, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to give money. Otherwise, none God of, will come down and strike you. God will come down and strike <laughs> you with a with a with a mortgage or something. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> no, and, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe you struck me, Cameron. <laughs> but th- there's none of that sort of stuff because um, th- that that does not represent God at no. all. And of course, there, there's been some pretty bad periods in history where where some corrupt people did promote that idea. There was a period there during the Middle Ages that Martin Luther objected to where there was a bunch of people promoting the idea of a thing called indulgences where you could basically by giving the church money you could buy a loved one out of heaven out out of sorry purgatory and neither of those concepts are found in scripture purgatory or the idea of indulgences and so look there are people there will always be people that are corrupt always be people that abuse others financially and that's Make, it makes me angry, yeah. Cameron. Here we are at Way We are running our entire station on a shoestring. We are, and we we you know we are getting lemon juice out of a lemon that no one thought there was any yeah. more drops of lemon juice in, mm-hmm. and we are making every every bit of the donor dollar go that bit further. We are not flush with funds, and and if that sounds like an appeal to people to help us, um, it is. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it is. And uh, by the way, um, the WFM Thanksgiving dinner, if you're able yeah. to and and you would like to, give us a call at the station 63340100. That is on Thursday night, and we'd love you to come along and hear about what we're doing and where we're going and how we're going to get there. So that that's our WFM Thanksgiving dinner um, this Thursday night from 6.30. We'd love you to be a part of that, to hear what we're doing, and we're going to... Um, do a bit of fundraising on that night. See if we can um, do a bit of catch up there. But that that would be great to have people come along to that that dinner. So that's a, a myth about religion. Now, here's one, I think we've got time for one more. We're not going to get all ten, in, but let, let's do one more, Cameron. And it's the idea that the more organised a religion is, the colder and more irrelevant it is. You know, so you hear people say like this: "Oh, I'm just not into organised religion." Well, what are you into? Disorganised religion. <laughs> <laughs> what you what, what, and, and, and if that's the case, wh- tell me what else in life do you not like organized you know wh- tell me what else in life does the sheer fact that it's disorganized make it better than if it was organized? This is such a look it sounds. It sounds so good, doesn't it? You know, I'm not into organized religion. Yeah. Doesn't that sound catchy? It sounds like, you know, we're going back to the 60s and we're wearing daisy chains around our neck and we're letting our hair grow long <laughs> and we're painting <laughs> butterflies on the side of our combi van. But the thing is, a, that, that statement is a nonsense. I'm not into organized religion. Oh, what? you into disorganized religion? I mean, in what other aspect of life do you celebrate disorganization? It's a, just an utter nonsense. So th- it's a myth to think that if you're organised, um, so for example, if you came to your t- the church that you go to, which is New Directions, New directions account, yes. you'll find that every Sunday morning it's, it's organised to yeah. start at 11 o'clock. Absolutely, right yep.
0: on 11 o'clock. Yep.
1: We're very fussy about that. Yeah, much, and you? so you should be. And it's organised that there's going to be pretty much uh, an, an order of service. Yes. It's organised. Someone's organised that. And it's pretty organised that uh, either Pastor Tim or Pastor Sharon will probably preach an organised message, a message that they've organised. And it's organised that the meeting will probably finish about 12.15. Yep. And that's organised. Now, some people might go, well, that's organised religion. I don't want anything to do with organised religion. So what you just want to turn up at a time you think the service should start, even though no one else knows about it. Yeah. And you just want to wait there till something kind of disorganised happens, and, and then, <laughs> yes, you know, leave in a disorganised fashion. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. So let's be careful in maybe our thinking here about some of these myths about religion. So we've gone through seven of the the of religion myths, and I think, I hope that that we may have provoked some people to think a little bit more deeply about what it means to hold to a, a religious idea. Now, Cameron, I, I finish by saying this. I think you can test religious claims, and I think you'll find that that true religion will pass the test of truth claims. And I think you'll find that you'll, you'll come down to a point where you, you have to examine the, the founder of the religious claims, and I'm going to suggest that Jesus Christ, the founder of Christianity, will pass every test you have the test of consistency the test of verification with history the test of experience where Jesus Christ has made certain claims that will affect your life you can put those to the test and I would invite people perhaps your life has come to a point where it's just all too hard that Jesus Christ is not just a religious idea he is someone who can help you to navigate from where you are now to where you need to be. And you are one prayer away from finding a completely different outlook on life, a prayer that says God, if you're real, please reveal yourself to me. A prayer that says God, I need your help in my life, please come and help me. A, a simple prayer like that can transform your life both now and forever. Cameron, before I go, I do want to thank our listeners, our supporters, our sponsors. I was as I was coming up this morning, I heard some of the new um, ads that MDH Accounting are putting yes. out. They're, they're a great sponsor about. Absolutely. And MDH Accounting are putting out some great sponsor ads now mm. about um, business tips. and You'll hear those throughout the day. I'm really proud of our sponsors. We ask our listeners to get behind our sponsors, support them Indeed. when you go into yes. the shops. We actually went and um, bought some flowers at one of our, our station sponsors and happened to mention that we heard them on YFM and they they made some reference that, you know, well, you're, you, you know, you're the only one. When, in fact, I'd already had about 10 people tell me they'd gone and bought flowers at this florist as well because yes. they heard them on YFM. And I think it would be good to just mention to sponsors when you're, when you, you know, frequenting yeah. this business, hey, I, I heard you on YFM, so I thought I'd come and... You know, check out your business. Just let them know because um, it 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 kind of helps and gives them the confidence to continue yes. being a sponsor of WFM. Thank Indeed. you so much to our sponsors and thank you to our donors. We we could not continue to broadcast no. this Each positive day. message of good news and hope without your support. Mm. So if you're able to get behind us right now, you can visit our website wfm.org.au. And you can help online or you can give us a call at the station and we can uh, take a donation over the phone, 63340100. So, Cameron, we'll be back next Wednesday when we we're will. going to talk about something
0: that is going to be extremely controversial. Hey, well, well, don't know whether to look forward to that is, is the right term. But anyway, that's, uh, that's something to listen out for next week on YFM with Dr. Andrew Corbett.